Let me pray and we'll get right into it. Dear God, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to worship you. We take it for granted sometimes, but it's so good to just be in this space together, hearing the songs about you, singing the songs about you, joining our hearts together in worship. Some of us, we roll into this place exhausted and worn out. We need encouragement. Some of us are beat up. Others of us have been doing good. You know what each of our hearts needs, and you're the only one who can provide that for us. So I pray that you would use me and use your word, that your spirit would move in this place, draw us closer to you. We so desperately need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome 930 and welcome Tremont. It's good to have you here coming up on a year of Grace Tremont and being a church with multiple locations. Yeah. Last time I said that, you guys clapped really good, and I said, but it, was, it, was, it wasn't really good. It was like mediocre. And I said, Tremont's probably killing it in the clapping department. And later, Ryan told me, like, no, they weren't clapping at all. So, so that makes your stock go way up. And Tremont, you better get your act together over there. <laughs> if you stink at clapping, we still love you. Um, we're jumping into week number two in our Restored series. This series is all about looking at how to experience restoration in your life. God wants to restore you. Do you know that? Like he wants to have you in restored relationship with him and restored relationship with the people you're close to. He wants to restore your broken heart. He wants to restore your purpose. He wants to restore your sense of meaning. He has that for you, but we often get in the way of his restoration. And I don't want to get in the way anymore, do you? We're taking a look at one passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, and it's just a couple of verses, but in those verses, there's a real practical and clear path to getting ourselves out of the way to experience what God has for us. This isn't some kind of self-help junk that I'm throwing at you that'll inspire you for a week and then leave you high and dry as soon as you forget to keep up with it. This is like God's design for how we should live and how we should live healthy and experience the most and the best that he has for us. I want to just read the theme verses that we've been talking about and then I'll reread the one verse that we're focused on today. And in Last week, we, we talked about how to stay humble. This week, the title of the message is Anxiety Hack. The passage we were studying these five weeks, it's in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, and it says this. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hands, that he may lift you up in due time. That was last week's message, and if you been struggling with the due time part or the waiting on him part or the pride part of life, then that one's one you could go and hit back up. The rest of the passage goes on in verse 7. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's the part we're going to talk about this morning. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a Roaring lion looking for someone to devour, resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And here's the good part. And the God of all grace, 
who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you. Will himself. You don't got to restore yourself. He will restore you and make you, I love this, he will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This message is called Anxiety Hack, and uh, here's, here's what we're, that was an epic sound effect. It's like, perfect. Do you feel how good that felt? I'm going to talk with Scott and Ryan, and I think I'm going to add sound effects right after the title. Just hit the Just made my day. Thank you. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Awesome. Anxiety, I, I, I just, we're going to talk about anxiety, and fair warning, I'm going to be pretty transparent about my own journey with anxiety this morning, um, and uh, I don't want to trigger anybody's anxiety. What I want to do is just show a path that God gives us an anxiety hack that's spiritual, that's scriptural, that God gives us to help us deal with anxiety when it pops into our lives. I have an insane amount of drowning stories. <laughs> I don't know if everybody does or if it's just me. I remember being in the deep end of a wave pool up at Camel Beach in the Pocono area. I had been speaking at a camp all week, and um, what I used to do is I would hang out with the staff, and like kids would come up and talk to me, but it gets hot, like it's hot in the middle of summer, and and so I would eventually get like sick of the heat and sick of the people. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> I didn't mean it. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, you've been there, right? Like, come on, you've been there. You just like need a break, need a little, like just give me a little space. Not a lot. I love you. I just don't, don't want to see you right the second. Yeah, come on. You ever been there at Thanksgiving or something? <laughs> Uh, getting myself in all kinds of trouble today. And uh, so what I would do is, this is brilliant, I, I'm a strong swimmer, and uh, I would go out into the deep end of the wave pool where you can't touch, and I can tread. I'm pretty buoyant. I don't know if you can tell that. But I also, I also can tread some serious water. And so my plan would be I could go out in the deep end of the wave pool. I could just tread water. And when the waves would come, man, I, I would be able to just bob up and down in the waves and float around. And kids would come out to see me from the camp, but they couldn't stay long because they couldn't swim as good as me. So they'd come out in the deep end and they'd chat for a little and think, oh, this is cool. And then a little scary. And then they would swim back. And it was perfect because I'd get like little interactions, but I was also getting my space. Isn't that a great hack? life hack. I was out there, and oh, one time I was out there, I was, I was just out there in the deep end, treading water. The waves had stopped, and uh, when the waves are really big, you can kind of bounce off the bottom and get a little rest, but I, I was out there in the middle of treading water in between the waves, and all of a sudden, like, the whole place got really noisy. Everybody's screaming and yelling, and whistles started going off everywhere, like, everywhere, and uh, and I'm like, what's going on? I realize what's going on. And I look to the side, and there is a lifeguard with this face, like, like just like all, no game. They're not playing any games. Like, it was just all business. It was a look of a hero, right? Like, I just saw it in their eyes. The, the confusing part 
wasn't how intense the lifeguard was. It's that I thought they were staring right at me as they're throwing off their stuff and running to dive like right at me. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But I didn't, have, and the lifeguard like dives in and I'm like, what is going on? And I turn to my side and like right here, right next to me, this dude who I don't know wasn't part of the camp was like drowning and I had no idea. I had no idea. Of course, the kids were like, oh, camp speakers trying to send people to see Jesus. Don't go, s- <laughs> whatever you do, whatever, whatever you do, don't go hang out with the, don't go swimming with the camp speaker, you know, you might not make it out. Just so I end the story appropriately, like, like they get, the guy was okay, like they jumped in, they, they were struggling right there next to me, and I had no idea, like drowning in an arm's reach of me, and I had no idea. Here's, here's I think, it was a year later, like I was in that same pool, strong swimmer, out there treading. I'd been exhausted, it had been a long week, I'd been up late, I hadn't been sleepy good because you never sleep good at those kind of things. And, and like all of a sudden I felt my body's exhaustion just take over. And there I was being that guy. Now, I didn't, I didn't need the lifeguard to swim at me, you know, like or dive in. It wasn't that clear that I was drowning. It wasn't that obvious to everybody else, but I was. My legs, I don't know if you've ever felt like that. It's, it's why like incredibly good swimmers can drown. It's why it's, you got to always respect water no matter what you're doing on it or where you are. It's because all it takes is a little exhaustion, a little overexertion, and all of a sudden the strength from your muscles just seems like it doesn't, it's not there and everything turns to jelly and you're struggling for your life. And then I remember this other time when I was a kid and uh, was at the beach it was before the days of helicopter parenting. I don't know what the exact opposite of helicopter parenting was, but that's what my parents and my aunts and uncles did at the beach. I think they were just like, we're sick of these kids. Like, they're all together, let them go, you know. Uh, we had to fight off strangers. And, no, I'm just kidding. We, <laughs> we boogie boarded under piers, all kinds of dangerous stuff. But I remember being like real young, one of my first memories at the beach, and I was playing in the shallow of the waves, and my parents were probably back at the tent, and, and snuggle, or not tent, back at the beach blankets or whatever. And I remember being out there in the waves and getting knocked over and like being disoriented and like trying to get up but not being able to get up because wave after wave just kept hitting me and, and I couldn't get up by myself, just like drowning in a few feet of water until somebody grabbed my shoulder and lifted me out of the waves. Here, here's what I think. I think anxiety is like drowning. There could be people within arm's reach of you who are sinking in it, and you have no idea. You could think, I'm a strong swimmer. I'm tough. I was raised in the scoop. (laughs) We're strong people. We, we don't need somebody to help us out. We can just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And then all of a sudden, a little exhaustion, a little exertion, and it catches you unsuspecting. 
And all of a sudden, no matter how strong you are, no matter how brave you are, no matter how smart you are, no matter how tough you are, you're sinking in it too. And it's like waves. Water is everywhere today. We weren't made to like scroll one minute and cry happy tears because some kid can hear for the first time because of a surgery some doctor did and then scroll one more time and in the next minute you're watching somebody post videos at, at the end of their life as they're dying from terminal cancer. Like we weren't designed to, to have news just alerting us and buzzing us in our back pocket. We weren't designed to have all of this information constantly flowing at us and barraging at us to have elect, our lives revolve around an electronic. The, the water is everywhere and the waves don't stop. They just keep coming. And sometimes what we need to deal with the anxiety in our life is just someone to help us find our orientation towards the ground again. Someone to tell us, we know you're strong, we know you're brave, we know you don't think it should happen to you, but it is happening to you and you're not alone. And there is help if you're being drowned by anxiety. And sometimes we need to just have the awareness that if I'm okay, it doesn't mean that everybody around me is okay. And maybe they're fighting this thing that you can't see and it's sinking them and they don't know how they're going to make it through tomorrow. Anxiety is like drowning. And I remember my first anxiety attack. I was in a grocery store pushing a cart it had been a normal day with a few interruptions of some bad news that I didn't even take the time to settle and think about. I didn't even realize the potential of the bad news consciously, but subconsciously, my brain was getting stuck in this fight or flight response, not knowing which one to do as it was processing the things I was trying to ignore. I'm pushing the cart in the grocery store and all of a sudden it felt like my chest was going to explode. I thought, am I having a heart attack? The, the aisles felt like they were spinning. I couldn't remember what I was, I was supposed to pick something up on the way home. I couldn't remember what I was supposed to pick up on the way home. I'm just pushing this cart, leaning on it, sweat pouring, tears welling up in my eyes, my throat closing on me. It felt like I was being crushed. It felt like I was drowning. I could barely keep it together. People walking by me have no idea. No idea what's going on. This wasn't like years ago before I got fixed. This was like last year. I felt like I was going to collapse. Maybe I would die right there. I called up my wife, Jen, and I'm like, I'm not good. Like, I'm not. I don't know what's going on with me. I feel like I'm going to die or pass out or faint. I don't remember what you told me to pick up at the grocery store. I'm just walking around these aisles trying to keep it together. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I can get out of this. I feel like I'm dying like right now. She said, just calm down. Take a breath. Just breathe. Just breathe. It's okay. You're not going to die. I'm with you. Just come home. Don't worry about what you need to pick up. Just go outside. Leave the cart where it is. Just walk out the front door, 
keep me on the phone, get in the car, come home, just come home. I got home and uh, Jen met me out on the deck and I sat down and I just collapsed, man. I just, I cried so hard and I didn't even know what I was crying about. My chest hurt so bad. I felt like my heart was gonna stop any second. And I didn't know why it hurt so bad. I couldn't articulate what was going on in my head. I couldn't articulate what was going on in my heart. All I felt like, I felt like I was drowning. I felt like I was drowning. I remember we talked for a while and I just tried to breathe, tried to calm down. And after half an hour of bawling my eyes out like a child on the deck, feeling like I could pass away any minute, I realized, Jen helped me realize that I wasn't, I, had, I hadn't died <laughs> of a heart attack, that I probably wasn't gonna die of a heart attack, that this was just an anxiety attack. I called my doctor and went in the next day. I almost went to the emergency room I'm, I'm being transparent. If you can't handle a pastor who's being this honest with you, you're probably in the wrong place this morning. I'm sorry if I'm not living up to your expectations of what a pastor should be like, but all I can do is what God's called me to do and be who he's called me to be, and this is who I am. It's part of who I am. It's not all of who I am. I, I made it to the doctor's appointment the next day, and I remember sitting in it in my eyes and in his office and I was ready to convince him that I was having heart issues because I'm, I got children, I'm accomplished, like I've been an athlete competitively, I've been through some stuff in my life, I, it's not anxiety, it can't be anxiety, it's just gotta be my heart. I remember sitting there and him asking me questions like that weren't about my physical heart, they were about my emotional heart. And me being like, dude, do your job, right? Like, I'm the guy who asks people questions about their emotional heart. You're the guy who asks people questions about their physical heart. And he started asking me about my life and what was going on and what things had looked like. And I started telling him. And then all of a sudden there in this doctor's office, it felt so, it still feels so weird to talk about this. But like, I'm sharing this stuff with him and I'm sharing this stuff with him. And I just start bawling my eyes out. And he says, Josh, buddy. I have a phenomenal doctor, by the way. I love him to death. Josh, buddy, your heart's fine. This is anxiety. And you're not alone. And, there, and we can help. It was like somebody took a weight I had been carrying that I had not, no idea I had been carrying around. It's like all of a sudden a lifeguard hooked me under my armpit and I could just relax and float as they swam me to safety, I felt that kind of relief. <sighs> it's gonna be okay. It's okay if you're not okay. And there is help for you if you have been drowning. The waves seem unrelenting. Maybe nobody around you even knows how much you are struggling because you've been keeping it all to yourself and trying to figure out how you can power through. Here's a little spoiler alert. The power through thing 
It doesn't work. Your brain is telling you you need to slow down and stop that this pace is not what you were designed for, that this information, you were not designed to carry it by yourself, that you weren't ever supposed to go through life's hardest stuff and keep it hidden from everybody else. Your brain is telling you this isn't God's design and the power through thing is garbage. Throw it out. I know you're tough. I know you're strong. I know you're a man. I know you're a powerful woman. But anxiety doesn't care. It's an everybody thing. The whole like, you're not spiritual if you struggle with anxiety thing, you can take that and throw it out the window. Why do you think the Bible talks so much about anxiety and worry? It's because it's a part of being a human and the reality we're going to face. Why do you think Jesus says encouragement like, in this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome this world? It's because he doesn't need you to ignore anxiety or power up spiritually so you don't ever have to deal with anxiety. He wants you to depend on him so you have somewhere to go with your anxiety this whole like idea that in, in Christian churches, and it's not, and it won't, it will not be in this church where if you're a good Christian, you don't go to counseling, you don't need help, you shouldn't struggle with anxiety or depression. It's garbage. It's not spiritual. It shouldn't be anything anyone ever. Listen, there is no shame in getting help. Your brain is part of the fall. When, when the, the world fell in Eden, everything was affected. Down to your molecular structure and the chemicals that flow through your brain and system. The whole like, if you're spiritual, you shouldn't deal with anxiety. The whole ignore it and it'll go away plan, you can throw that out too. All of those ideas that it shouldn't happen to me, that I can power through it, that if I was more spiritual, I wouldn't need counseling, I wouldn't need medicine, I wouldn't need help with an organ <laughs> of my body that can fail just as easily as my right knee. <laughs> It doesn't help. It only adds more hurt. And you are the one who will suffer the most. David gives an example of anxiety in Psalm 139. Jesus says, the scripture says, cast all your anxiety on him. It doesn't say never have anxiety be free of anxiety. It says, cast it all on him because he cares. David's dealing with this in this little, uh, I love talking about this because I love the transparency that David records in the Psalms. He just lays it all out there. Don't you love that? Like, there's no trying to 
be somebody special for you. David just puts all of the good and all of the bad and how God interacts with it all right in the Psalms. If you've never read the Psalms and you're struggling with life, read the Psalms, man. You're going to say, oh, that's me. (laughs) That's what you're going to say. The end of Psalm 139, which is a beautiful psalm, it's a beautiful psalm about how God sees us everywhere we go and there's nowhere we can go to escape him. And, it's, and David says, this is so wonderful knowing that God is there for me like this. It's knowledge that's too good for me. He's going on this beautiful thing. I want to pick it up in verse like 17 though. Listen to how David shifts here. After 17 verses talking about how great God is and how good things are with him, it goes, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Everybody say, (laughs) aw. That's a sweet little thought, isn't it? It's poetic. It's beautiful. I want to read that part. I don't want to read the next part. Because right here in this verse, something shifts with David. It's like a wave came out of nowhere. You ever had that happen? It's like out of nowhere comes this wave. And here David is, right? And he says, in verse 19, it goes from awe to like, what the? (laughs) Heck, what the heck? My mama's yelling at me. All right, it goes, if only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. What just happened? (laughs) Good feeling gone, right? Like, uh, he continues on. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. He shifts back. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David's writing this beautiful psalm and a wave, a thought about his enemies creeps into the pose Just all of a sudden, it's like when you're having fun with the kids and then that wave of anxiety comes and you think about that person who's angry at you or that boss who has been hard on you. You're at home having a good morning, having a little tea party with your daughter in the living room and all of a sudden, all you can think about is the boss and the anxiety of work, it sweeps over you. Good moment, gone. And it starts consuming your energy and your focus and you can't have fun with your kid because your heart is racing and your mind is racing. It's like that with David. It's like, good news, not right now. It's like he took the wheel, uh, it's like somebody took the wheel and just jerked it. Goes from this, and that's anxiety. It's what it looks like. It's what it feels like. You're having fun at home, having a good moment, out to eat, enjoying some time, relaxing, reading a book, and a wave of anxiety triggered by an anxious thought steals all of that from you. Aren't you sick of that? The good moment's gone. How anxiety can consume you out of nowhere. 
How the wheel of your life just gets jerked from one side to the other side. Unfortunately, David was close to God. It's like he catches himself here at the end when he shifts back. He's like, oh man, that went sideways fast. Search me, God. Know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts and lead me in a better way. I, you, you want me to paraphrase that for you at the end of this chapter? He's like, help! <laughs> help! All of a sudden I was thinking about you and it was awesome and then all I can think about are the people who hate me, my enemies. It's making my blood curdle. I don't know, I can't do anything about it. Help! Interrupt my thoughts. Interrupt my heart. Be the hand that reaches into the water and the waves and grabs me by the shoulder. They're coming from all sides. I'm disoriented. I don't know how to get on my feet again. Grab me and help. It's beautiful though. David, just like you, a moment interrupted just like your moments interrupted. And the hand of God offering help for those who are drowning in anxiety. If you are dealing with anxiety, you are not alone. It is okay that you are not okay. And there is help for you. You don't have to stay where you are right now. I was, I've done a lot of work. Man, since understanding that this new thing called anxiety is something that can even touch me, and I'm a fairly confident, competent person, I think. So I've been doing a lot of reading and books, and I've gone to counseling, and um, that has been life-giving. Uh, and uh, man, it's so good to just have somebody give me an outside Christian perspective, somebody who has more experience than I do at helping people walk out of this stuff. It's so good. And sometimes, if you're dealing with anxiety, that's like the disclaimer, the first step is get some real help. Get some professional help. Don't wait around. Don't say, I'll do it tomorrow. It only compounds the issue and gives you more hurt. But in one of the readings, I was reading a book about how to... Um, help people with anxiety, and it gave an acronym, and I thought, that's a good idea, just an acronym to remember, but I wish it was a little more spiritual, so that set me on like a journey to discover what, my, what would I pull out of scripture as a spiritual acronym to help with anxiety, and here it is. Can I give it to you? It's called, it's just take a breath, breath. I'm not an acronym guy, but this has been extremely helpful. Here's the B in breath. It's be still. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know what you could add to the end of that? And it's, it would be true. I will be exalted in your life. If you're a follower of him, he will be exalted in your life. Be still. 
Sometimes you just got to hit pause. You got to get a little perspective. You got to quiet all the noise. You got to stop chugging down the caffeine. You got to stop trying to power through. You got to stop trying to figure it out on your own. Just learn to be still. The first thing when that anxiety starts creeping up I got for you is just be still and know God, know his peace, know his presence, know you're not alone, know he hasn't left you, know he's still with you. Be still. And then R, remember God. Isaiah 46, verses 8 through 10, God's saying, remember this. Keep it in your mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. And remember the, remember the former things those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. Is that part of the anxiety that's killing you? Knowing the end or the beginning, or what's in between, or what's gonna happen, or how it's gonna get there, or what's gonna go on? For I know from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand. Be still and know his presence and then remember he is not just with you, he is working in you and through you. God's got a plan for you. He's gonna accomplish his purpose for you. Philippians 1, 6 says what he started, he will finish in you. It's so helpful for me just to pause for a second when the anxiety starts welling up and just to be still before God and to start remembering, oh yeah, he didn't let me drown before. My heart didn't explode on my deck. I didn't pass out in the grocery store. He's still with me. He still got me. I remember what he did back then when my brother died, when my mom died, when my dad died. I remember how he got me through those really dark days. I remember when I thought I wasn't going to make it. I remember what I felt like when I was going to give up and how he met me in those moments, said, I'm not done with you yet. I, I remember. I remember. Not only can I know his presence, but I can see that the hand of God acts in me and on my behalf. So I breathe. I take a breath. I slow down. I remember him. And then I evaluate my space. That's the E. First Thessalonians Five, six says, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. You've got to evaluate your space if you're struggling with anxiety. Are you in something really unhealthy that's adding to it? Maybe it's time to move out of the unhealthy. Am I doing things in my life that are perpetuating it? By the way, if you ever have to hide something, talk about adding to anxiety when you live a hidden secret life. If you're not somebody who is trying to be more of a person of integrity, talk about adding anxiety. If you're in a relationship that is abusive, man, evaluate your space. Are you safe? Are you safe? If you're not safe, do something immediately to change it. If you are safe, just trust God with your space right now. Ask God to lead you in a new direction. This part I struggle with sometimes, right? Because if I'm gonna ask him, I gotta follow him. That's the A. David does it. He says, search me and lead me. Don't just search me. I don't need you just to recount my thoughts to me. I don't need to just have the list. The laundry list of anxious thoughts is running nonstop. I, I need you to lead me in a new direction. 
I need you to break the cycle for me. And I'm willing to follow. Ask. Ask him to lead you in a new direction. The T in take a breath is talk to someone. Proverbs 15, 22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. You were created to live in community with people who will encourage you and are also following Jesus. It's why church is so important. It's why it's so essential. You were it's how you were designed to live, not by yourself, but in a community of encouraging and empowering people. That's what I hope you find here. That's what the church is supposed to be like. Ask, talk to someone about it. Man, if, if you keep quiet, you'll wither away. But in the counsel of others, you'll find hope. Just take good counsel from people who also know this designer of life. Healthy activity. I'm sorry this is going long, but this is too important. And I'm probably not going to talk about anxiety again for a while. <laughs> and I just let you all into deep into my heart so you can deal with it for a couple minutes this morning. Healthy activity. Proverbs 13.4, that's the H. Healthy activity. Proverbs 13.4. A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Sometimes you just need to stop engaging and sitting and letting it sink you and Start to do something healthy. Get some exercise. Go for a walk. Do something new. Do something different. That's my take a breath acronym. Be still. Remember God. Evaluate your space. Ask God to lead you in a new direction. Talk to somebody about it. And start engaging in some healthy activity. I think it's an anxiety hack. There's tons of anxiety hacks out there on social media. You can find tons of anxiety hacks. And this is one that I think is pretty spiritual. When you feel the anxiety rushing up, when the waves seem unending, when it feels like you're starting to drown, just take a breath. Let God into that space and ask him to lead you in a new direction. The, the verse in First Peter that cast, it's in the tense of continually cast. Not like you spin casters who just chuck a bobber out. I know you don't just do that, right? Like you let it sit and then you sit down and drink iced tea for six hours, right? Like not like that kind of, it's like, the, it's like fly fishing. That's how, that's my jam, right? It's like that, the idea of that word cast, it's like over and over and over and over and over again cast. It's because God knew you got to keep casting it. It's not one and done. It's not like, oh, good sermon. I don't have to deal with anxiety. Oh, I had a doctor's visit. I'm done now. Oh, I went to one counseling session. Fixed. <laughs> the language is you got to cast you got to keep casting. The waves will come. As you learn to deal with anxiety, they'll, they'll get smaller, and they'll get smaller, and they'll get smaller. But there will still be a big wave that creeps in once in a while, threatening to knock you down and drown you. you got to keep casting, and you can keep casting because he cares. If you don't get anything else, please know, whoever you are, whatever you're dealing with, whether it's in the open or it's private, this Jesus cares so deeply about your heart and so deeply about your soul. 
Whatever it is you're going through, you can keep taking it to him over and over and over again. You are so important to him. And he loves you so much. And with him, you never have to deal with this stuff by yourself. I'm sorry it went long. It's an important topic. It's an important subject. And I hope that if you're someone who deals with anxiety, you can leave little encouraged this morning. And if you ever need to talk about anxiety, I want you to know, like, I can't take everybody's phone calls and the whole thing, but if you're struggling with anxiety, hit me up. I'd be glad to just sit down and have a cup of coffee and listen to you and see if we can work on this stuff together. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much that David is so transparent, that your word is so clear, that nothing we go through surprises you. You know our hearts and you know what it's like and you know what we deal with and I'm sorry for taking so long to say all of it. So I pray that you just make clear what needs to be made clear in our hearts. Help us to know we don't have to drown in anxiety anymore. We don't have to deal with it by ourselves. We can actually be courageous and say help. I need to know your presence. I need to remember who you are and what you've done. I need you to lead me in a new way. Help us have courage not just to sit quietly and let this stuff consume us, but to start to deal with it in a fresh and new way with you at the center of it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.